God will provide. I want you to take just a few moments and reflect on that idea while I share a few introductory remarks. Today is a bittersweet time for me as your minister. Having served in this capacity for 36 and a half years, God now is taking Cindy and I on a new journey, a journey to different places, a journey maybe to a different kind of ministry. But the bottom line is, this is still our church home. We are gonna take some time away for next year, but we do plan to return to this area. We do plan to winter here at least, and to be with this church as our church. I stand with you in prayer. I stand with you in support. Cindy and I believe in the work that's been done in this church over the last many years. I also want to say what great confidence that I have in the leadership of this church. Our elders, our ministers, our staff are poised, I think, in just a way that God is exactly going to do what this title of our lesson today says. He's going to provide. I believe we have a staff that's energetic, that's knowledgeable, that has experience, and that loves the people of this church. And there's so much expertise that's wrapped up in the people that serve this church, from elders to ministers to staff. And so I want you to be praying for them now. This is not going to be an easy time for them as there is a transition. And all of us, when change occurs, we have anxiety. I can tell you very frankly that I have a lot of anxiety about retirement. But the fact is, God is there. God is with us. It's just like during COVID. How many of us have grown in our anxiety? How many of us have lost our jobs or, or lost income or had family members to pass during this difficult time? And during this difficult time, God is there and God is providing. Wasn't it a wonderful thing this week to see and this last two weeks to see people getting vaccines for COVID and to know that the solution to this problem we hope is soon to be with us and soon to be in place so that we don't have to live in the same kind of way we have? Yes, there's no doubt. Our lives have been changed forever. It's going to be different for a long, long time. But the thing is, God is there. God is present. God is taking our hand. God is watching over us. And I really believe that God already knows the preaching minister that's going to serve this church. He already knows just what this church needs. And now he is through our committee and through those that are searching, he's going to enlighten them and to give them direction. And through his Holy Spirit, he is going to bring into place just the right ingredients for what we need for this future. But my brothers and sisters, let's not lose our focus. We must remember that even in times of change, even when we have doubts, we have a commission. And that commission is to love God with all of our heart, souls, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Our responsibility is to be in the world making disciples and growing in our own discipleship. Let's not lose that focus. The evil one, just as he was with Jesus, stands beside us today and he says, you know, well, just throw yourself down. God will provide. Or, or just ask God to, to turn these stones into something that you really want, something you selfless you want. Get your focus on what you want and not what God wants. He, the evil one is working hard to try to get us to turn from the word of God, to turn from God to the world. And that's very easy to do when we have anxiety and we have doubt and when we're in a time of transition. But ever so important it is that we keep our focus upon our Father. 
I love each one of you. Uh, I, I can say that God brought Cindy and I here because he know, knew that not that the church needed us, but we needed this church. And that's what's happened over the years. Through friendships, through tears and times of difficulty, God has molded and shaped us. And we hope he has also at the same time been molding and shaping us as a church. But God knew what we needed. He knew what we all needed back then. And he knows now what we need. I just have wonderful, joyful tears when I think about the, one of the greatest things that happened to us here in Melbourne is adopting our two daughters. And what a great, warm reception that you all gave the church, the church gave us here. I remember walking down the aisle with Whitney in my arms and people clapping and smiling and being happy. I remember the wonderful reception that you gave for both of our kids when we adopted them. So many good things God has done through the years for our family and God has also done for our church family. So be sure, my brothers and sisters, God is there, God is with us, and God has us for what's coming next. Today, I wanna to take just a few minutes and I wanna remind us how it is that God provides. And I wanna look at Jeremiah 29. This is a text we've looked at a few times over the years, but we must remember it because it tells us what happens when we're going through times of transition. Israel, as you know, had started to be taken into exile. Jeremiah had already heard that Hananiah, the false prophet, was going about telling everybody all these lies. Oh, yeah, God's going to deliver us right away. He's going to take us back. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And it wasn't true. The people were going to be there for about 70 years before anyone started returning back to Jerusalem. So Jeremiah has a very difficult time, difficult job. He has these people who are in a time of transition. They're in exile. They're in the wilderness, we might say. And he's trying to reassure them and to give them a true word from God. Look at what he does. He has this letter that he gets delivered from, to, to him from God. And now he's going to pass it along to the people. So in Jeremiah 29, verse 4, here's what he says. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all of those that I carried into exile from Jerusalem. Don't be mistaken. This exile, yes, was done through Babylon, the power of Babylon, but it was not Babylon that was behind the scenes with everything. It was God. God was there. God was present. God was with them even in their being exiled. And we know the reason for their exile. It was their punishment. But God was not just punishing them to say, I told you so. God was not just punishing them so he could have some delightful joy in seeing them suffer. God was doing it because he knew what was best for Israel. They needed a purging. They needed people to actually learn who really God is because they had forgotten it before they went into exile. And so Jeremiah says with the authority of the Almighty, God is the one that has brought us to this place. Be sure of that. And we need to know that he's still with us. Build houses, Jeremiah says, and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Now, this sounds like a totally different message from what Hananiah was giving them, the false prophet. He was telling them to, to mourn, to weep, get ready for the day that they're going back to Israel. And now the true word from God says, I want you to build houses. Had God forgotten what the psalmist said? By the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and we wept when we remembered Zion. 
The people were deeply depressed. They didn't want anything to do with Babylon. They certainly didn't want to build a house. They certainly didn't want to plant any gardens. They didn't feel like it. But what Jeremiah is reminding them, God wants to be your God in this place where you are. Please don't miss that message. God wants to be our God in the place where we are right now. Even though we are going through a time of transition, God is more present now than he has ever been for us. He was more present with Israel in the captivity than he was when they were disobeying him back in Israel. At least now he had their, their ears. At least now they were listening. So please, my brothers and sisters, I want to ask you to use this next year, whatever time it takes, to make it a time of listening. Listening for the voice of God. Listening for what he wants to tell us about what is next. Because if we don't listen intently, we might go off and make a choice or to do something that is human ordained rather than God ordained. God also says, I want you to marry. I want you to have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. I know people today, do you? that have made a decision, I don't want to bring any kids into this world we live in. We're living in a difficult time. We're living in a difficult situation. I mean, the world has changed so much. Over the last couple of weeks, we've heard about these terrible hacks that have occurred into key government systems. You know, there are, there's a kind of subterfuge that's going on, a kind of spying that's going on that is so far different than it was in days past. And so it's a different kind of era. And a lot of us are afraid because of what's going on. And we want to just kind of pull back and we want to just kind of sit at home and wait for the Lord to return. And I tell you for a truth, I look forward to that day when the Lord comes, wipes the tears from our eyes, takes the pain from our bodies and takes us to be with him forever. That will be certainly a grand and glorious day. But God is saying to us, while you are still here, you need to build, you need to plant, you need to marry. You need to have children. If the world ever needed people to have children and bring them into families of faith, it's now. We need people to stand for the Lord. And God is saying here in Babylon, please do not forget your purpose. Please do not forget that I am with you. Furthermore, he says, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Okay, Lord. All right. I, I can hear those previous words. Or I, I, I might could get myself to build a house. I might someday fill up to plant in a garden. I might even want my kids to get married. I might even want some grandkids in this place. But you're telling me that I should be seeking the prosperity of this pagan place? Is that what you're telling me? Yes, that is what God is telling him. He wanted them to do what was best for the city. Now think about that. There are a lot of us that have no involvement in politics or the city or anything else. We have missed a wonderful opportunity. Every time I walk the halls of schools that I volunteer in or I work in, when I walk through those school halls, I rarely ever miss an opportunity when somebody needs a prayer, somebody wants a prayer, where I'll see a teacher leaving the school with tears in their eyes, and I'll just say hello to them, and I know them, I call them by name, and I say, is there something I can do? Could I pray for you? And they'll begin to tell me their story of a child that has a terrible disease or has cancer or, or that has some, some really unusual situation that's going on in their life or, or there's something personally that's happening to them, and we stop right in that moment and we pray. 
We're praying for what is best for that person, but yet for our school and for our city. If those of us who are strong believers don't step in and get involved, then what's going to happen to this place? Pagan people will be running and making all the decisions. So it is good for us, as God says here, it's good for you to seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. Why in the world are you saying this, Lord? Notice he says, pray to the Lord for it. So that's another key point here, not just to remember that God is with them in exile, not just to remember that God says, I want you to remember what your purpose is, but also God says, I want you to pray. That's the starting point. Before you do any of these other things, that's the starting point. So you pray to the Lord for this city, for this place. Are we as a church, are you as an individual, are you praying for the city of West Melbourne? Are you praying for the city of Palm Bay? Are you praying for the city where you live? Are you asking God to, to lead the people that are guiding your, your communities? Are you getting involved in some way and volunteering or helping in some way? That is what God is calling us to do, to stand up and to do the right thing by our community. Look at the next part, because pray for it, the city, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now, these people are just at this moment, I know they have to be, their heads have to be spinning. They just can't believe what Jeremiah's telling them because they've been hearing the, the, the stuff that Hananiah, the false prophet has been telling them. They've been believing in him because he's telling them what they wanna hear. And isn't that a danger that we have? Those of us that serve in ministry, those of us that are in leadership, it's the easiest thing in the world to tell people what they want to hear. But it's a hard thing altogether to bring the, the, the truth of God in its fullness and completeness to people. Because we don't always, quite a few times, we don't want to hear what God has to say to us. We want to continue on our merry way and enjoy our lives and do things the way we think they ought to be done. We don't want God stepping in and interrupting. We don't want God butting into our lives. But here, Jeremiah says, whatever you've heard from Hananiah, this is what you need to know is true. You need to be sure that you do what I've asked you to do. So their heads are spinning. They're trying to take all of this in. And Jeremiah says next, yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. He bookmarks his comments with that phrase. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Whereas Hananiah was going and telling them, oh yeah, this, God wants you to do that or God wants you to do this that you want to do. Jeremiah is speaking in an authoritative voice to these people. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. See what I'm saying? The people were telling the prophets what they wanted to hear, and the prophets come back to them and said, oh yeah, I had, God gave me this dream. He gave me this vision, and what you've said is what he's going to do. No, that is not what God's going to do. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. So Israel, you've got work to do. But first of all, you've got to get your hearts right, your minds right, and your life right. Israel, I want you to know several things. One of them is you're to build the city, plant gardens, have families, have grandkids. That's one aspect of what I want you to do. But also you are to seek the prosperity of the city. And you're going to do that by praying for it, getting involved, be involved in the life of the city. And then also you are going to be sure that all of those false messages that you have been receiving, that you ignore them 
And instead, you focus on what God has called you to do in this place. These are powerful words for us today. I hope you will take this small section of Jeremiah. Maybe it would be a good idea to go back and read Jeremiah 28, which tells us the stories and lies that Hanani was telling, Hananiah, I'm sorry, Hananiah was telling the people so that you get some background. And then you can see in, in this text in Jeremiah 29, what it is that is the truth that God is giving them from the mouth of Jeremiah. But these words are just as relevant to us today as they were the day they were spoken. And I pray today to the Lord that as we go forward, you will remember these words and that you will plant them in your hearts and that you will be praying for the prosperity of this area we live in and praying for the peace and prosperity of this church family. Let's bow and pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your spirit today that fills us and that leads us and that prays for us when we can't even get out the words that we want to say to you. We thank you, Lord, for this reminder of who we are and what we need to be. We know these words were spoken in a different time, but yet they were in a similar time in that the people were going through a crisis. They were going through transition, and we are in that same situation. Lord, I pray today that you will, as you have in the past, raise up from our own congregation those that need to step up and be leaders. Raise up in our own congregation those that need to take the things that God has given them and blessed them with and have them share those things with our church so it might grow and it might flourish and prosper. We pray today, Lord, that you would guide us into 2021 and beyond. And Lord, be with the new changes that are coming down the road for our church. We thank you for the wonderful, fresh renovations that are going on. But Lord, most of all, we want you to renovate us spiritually. It's a wonderful symbol as the church is being renovated, that we as a church family are being restored, renewed, and renovated as well. May we submit to you. May we bow our knee to King Jesus. We pray through his name this day. And the church said, amen. Go in peace.